How many of you like a lively worship service? Oh. <laughs> okay. How many of you don't? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> How many of you don't even have an idea where you are today? <laughs> I think most of us would say this. There are times when we would like to be very sedate and, and very reflective, perhaps. But for the most part, I, I really do love the way our music has come together to lift our, our hearts and our minds towards the Lord and to prepare our hearts to hear from His Word. And if you like a lively worship service, you would have loved being in Corinth. 2,000 years ago. They had lively services. I want you to look with me here in this first, uh, in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. I want you to look with me down here at verse 26. Because in this verse, we're just given a little bit of a glimpse of what the worship service was like at Corinth. And I want you to try to, to get your mind to go back in time and to actually take what is being said here as the reflection of what was going on at this particular church. Listen to what it says. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, in other words, when you're meeting together as a body, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. You know what he's saying here? Instead of the church coming together for the purpose of primarily focusing on the Word of God in the, the preaching aspect of it, everybody is walking into the congregation and there's not people just sitting down as we are like this. There are people who are gathering in small groups because each of them has come with a tongue. And there are groups that are speaking in tongues. And there are interpreters who are interpreting what they're saying. And then each of them has a psalm. Now you know what the psalms were. The psalms were the songs that they sang. So all around the congregation, this, this side would be singing Psalm 23. And this so side would be singing Psalm 121. And, and you, you guys get the idea, right? And, and then you're in a group and you're doing all these different things. And then somebody says, well, I have a message from God. And you would say, okay, deliver that message. What is it that God has to say? And, and they, this, it would be true. There would be things that would be happening like this, but they'd all be happening at the same time. Then the women would say, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I have a question about that. Men, have you noticed how many questions women ask does it bother you that women have to know every detail of everything that's going on? You guys are all being very careful today, aren't you? you I think you're a little bit worried. Uh, for me, I, I have to be real careful how I say this. But Debbie drives me nuts. She does. We have talked about this on a number of occasions. I'll come home and I'll make some statement and I'll say something. I, I don't even know what would be an appropriate uh, illustration of this. I don't tell her everything. I just want you to know that in case some of you are wondering, can I say things to pastor and he not go home and tell his wife? Absolutely. She does not know an awful lot of stuff. <laughs> 
but maybe by the end of the day she will. I don't know. <laughs> I'll say something like, oh, you should have seen we had uh, a, a new group of people come on campus today to, to look at, at Highlands Christian Academy. And she'll say, well, how many were there? I'll say, oh, maybe eight or ten. And she'll say, well, how old were they? <laughs> Well, the kids were and the adults were. And, and do they, did they just move here? I don't know. Well, where did they come from? Ask them. <laughs> and we go down this thing, and, and I kind of get to the place where I say this. I'm not telling her anything anymore at all. Because I've got... No, guys, do you identify with this? Ladies need to know right? They have to have information. That doesn't change the moment they walk through the doors of the church building. They want more information. And the way things were going in this early church was women would have questions about things that they were hearing, either through the person speaking in tongues or through the individual who was speaking a prophecy, or maybe even about the songs that they were singing or even some of the discussion. And they would say, wait, wait a minute. And they would stop and they would break in. And Paul says, no, that's not appropriate. That type of speaking in church for ladies, that's not appropriate. And you remember what we read because it got real quiet when I got to that point about ladies being quiet in church, right? Because you were all wondering about that. We have to understand what the circumstances were like. It's not like you're, you're speaking out today, talking to one another before the, the service begins or anything like that. But it's the interruption. It's, it's the, the change of flow of the message that's coming. When a lady says, well, wait a minute, I have a question about that. No, no, ask your husband at home. He can fill you in on this. And you can drive him nuts and take care of it there. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. It was wild. But it was a day in which... Tongues were a means by which God was delivering messages because nobody carried a Bible into a service. You all understand that. There were no Bibles. And so how do you have the New Testament message? How do you know what it is that God is now saying in light of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ? Well, he confirms a message through these miraculous gifts that he gave that were designed for a short time but are no longer necessary because we have now the full revelation that God has given us in his word. So the prophecy would change in this regard. There would still be the utterances concerning the truth that God has already revealed, but there would not be the foretelling of future events. Those have been cared for. We, we have a record of what's going to be happening. And we have all we need to know for what's coming. And the issue of tongues is no longer an issue because if you look back, look back here at verse 21 where it says this, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. That is a quote from Isaiah chapter 28, and the quotation had a double fulfillment. It meant that Israel, who was about to be judged by the Babylonians in the time of Isaiah, would be hearing people who would be speaking a different language and it would come to them as a warning, judgment is about to fall upon you. And it did. 
Now it is being used by the Apostle Paul to demonstrate that God was still sending a message now to the current day Israel, not our day, but in his day, that judgment was coming upon them, and this was a sign. You will hear people speak in other languages, miraculously, speaking languages they have never studied. And that's why he goes on in the next verse to say this, Therefore, tongues are for a sign. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers, and specifically to unbelieving Israel. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So what's he telling us? That there would be a sign to the unbeliever, particularly the unbelieving Israel, that they would hear people speaking other languages that they've never studied and that they've never learned, but they are miraculously speaking those, and it was a declaration. Your judgment is about to come. And it did in 70 A.D. Under Titus, the Roman general, the armies of Rome marched through Jerusalem and leveled it and destroyed it. And at that time, Israel lost its national identity until 1948. As God is setting the stage for the prophetic utterances that he has already given about the things that are yet to occur. Those things are not being fulfilled but the stage is being set. So when we understand what this is about, here's, this, this rescues us from a whole lot of difficulty in our understanding of what the Lord is doing today. Is he still speaking to us through tongues? No. No. That was for a sign. And it was for a sign particularly to unbelievers, particularly to the Jews. How has he spoken to us today? You're holding it in your hands. His word is how he speaks to us today. And that's what we need to know. We need to know his word. And so, this whole fifth, or pardon me, 14th chapter, even if you go back to the earlier verses, is dealing with the way things should be done with the use of tongues and prophecy. And here's what's interesting. If you go back to the first verse, what you read is this. Pursue love. Do you remember what the 13th chapter was all about? By the way, this is part of the reason why expository preaching in order is very important. Don't ever diminish the importance of expository preaching, as I hear people do. It is vitally important because you lose the whole flow and then you can pick and choose all the stuff you want to emphasize and get people all stirred up. Instead of saying, here's what God says, here's what I need to know, and here's how I need to respond to what God has to say. And he says this, you need to understand something. Love is the most important thing that you can demonstrate to one another right now. And the next most important thing is not that you have the capability to miraculously speak a language that you haven't studied, but that you declare what God has revealed in prophecy. Listen to what it goes on to say. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now today, people would say, oh no, we want to be able to speak in tongues. As a matter of fact, there are those that would say this, unless you speak in tongues, you don't have eternal life. That is a lie. That is not true. Tongues have ceased when Israel lost its national identity, and God was no longer speaking to them through that miraculous device, 
And today he speaks to us through his word because shortly after the destruction of Israel, the completion of scripture occurred. And we have the record that God has given to us. So now you read through this chapter and what do you find? You find that there's all kinds of instruction given to the church about tongues and about prophesying. And then you say, well, pastor... If that is not so important for us today, then what's the point of this for us? Doesn't the Bible say that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works? Doesn't it say that? Yes, it does. So there's got to be something in here for us. And there is. And it is vitally important. What the Lord is beginning to tell us here is this. I want you to focus on the things that edify. Did you notice that throughout this entire chapter, and and I didn't go back and read all of the the particular verses that were involved here, but you, you will see over and over and over again this concept. Edify one another. Build up each other. Minister to one another in such a way that you are lifting each other up. Okay, what doesn't edify? Sin does not edify. If we live our lives without submission to the authority of the word of God that he has revealed to us, we are not edifying, but we are tearing down. We're tearing ourselves down. We're tearing one another down. Sin does not edify. Empty activity does not edify. You know, there are many times that we'll ask from the congregation, why are you here today? Why did you come? And thankfully, and and I'm not saying this to stroke you or anything like that, but thankfully, I believe most, if not all, of you have come for the right reason. You want to worship the Lord. You want to learn from Him. You want to minister to one another. But there are some people that gather in congregations today because it's the social thing to do. It's where we meet together. And, oh my goodness, we can, we can uh, sit around the, the table together. And you, Some churches will put a Starbucks in the entryway. So we can socialize. Isn't that neat? Well, social activity is good. It's it's important. The four fellowships that we have, which by the way, I hope you guys have all gotten your four fellowships done. We have completed ours, and I loved it. I got to know people in a way that I hadn't known them before and just had a wonderful time, and hopefully in the new year we'll, we'll start that over again. So social interaction is important, but the church is not a social club. It is a place of ministry to be ministered to and to minister to others. We make it an empty gathering place in which we don't bother ministering to anybody else. Then we're not edifying each other. Edification doesn't occur when people are not involved. 
You can't just show up at church. Pastor says amen. Fire out the door and say, boy, what a great day this was. Or maybe you go out and you say, what a lousy day this was. Unless you're involved, you're not edifying. Uh, Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Your presence is not edifying. Well, it is to a degree, but it's minimal. You're using your spiritual gifts. That's edifying. So don't think that just showing up is enough. And then I, I would say this. A critical spirit is not edifying. Oh, did you hear what the pastor said this morning? I don't agree with him at all. Well, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. But you better agree with the Word of God. And if God's Word is being proclaimed truthfully, we need to agree with it, not be critical. Did you see what so-and-so was wearing? Oh, did you see Alberto? He's up there playing that trombone and banging that thing with his foot. What's, what, what's he doing with that? He's adding a lot to the service. I love it. I, I honestly, I, I, see, he sits where I can't see him. And so for the first time I just saw about a week or so ago that you're, you're doing all these different... I'm surprised you don't have one of those harmonica things that goes across here and a little symbol on your head and then you're... <laughs> it's wild. Critical spirit does not edify. Do you know what edification involves? Let's let God speak for himself. Go back to verse 3 of this chapter and look what it says. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. That's only part of it. Now drop down to verse 31 and take a look. For you can all prophesy one by one that all men may learn and all may be encouraged. What what does the Lord say is the process of edification? It's encouraging one another. Does anybody in here need encouragement? (laughs) That's one of the stronger amens that I've heard. Why? Well, that's rhetorical. Don't, Don't answer. But listen, why do you need to be encouraged? Some of you are suffering loss. Some of you are going through financial trials or job trials. Some of you are dealing with illness that in some cases, in and of itself, may be terminal. Some of you are dealing with family issues. You might have children who are rebellious and far from the Lord. Some of you are dealing with interpersonal problems, like I created with my wife just a short time ago. (laughs) The word encouragement literally means this. To come alongside of someone. Not. You need encouragement. You need somebody to encourage you. And you know what? All it takes sometimes is just listening. Just listening. 
letting somebody pour out their heart to you. Sometimes it's reminding them of biblical truths, but sometimes people get that mixed up and they try to extend biblical truths before a person is ready to hear them, and sometimes it's better just to sit and be quiet. And then the time comes when you say, hey, do you remember what God said? He said, count it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You're willing now to wait upon the Lord and allow Him to do His work in and through your life. Do you ever need somebody like that? Encouragement. How about comfort? When we talk about edification, you comfort people. I hope, Liz, you don't mind this, but I believe it was your brother and sister-in-law who gave birth to a stillborn child this past week. And Pastor Luke had to preach, the, didn't have to, but you did. He preached the, the message to a grieving mother and father and to a family that's hurting. And he opens the word of God to keep things in an eternal perspective so that any family that loses a child, when those people know the Savior, it is a delay in enjoying the presence of that little one. Because one day you will be together. You need to know that. It's not the end when you lower the little casket into the ground. It's a, a brief farewell. And then there's the day coming. You were my baby. You edify. You comfort one another. And you instruct one another. We don't know all we need to know. None of us do. We have to learn. And we have to be instructed. And we have to have somebody step up and say, Hey, th this is something you never thought about before. Or maybe you, maybe you did, but you're not really getting it. You need to understand this. Then we're being edified. Then we're being built up. We get our word edifice out of this. Then we're being strengthened. Some of you recognize the name Warren Wearsby. And here's what he said about edification. When we explain and apply the word of God to individual lives, we have a ministry of edification. How do we do that? Well, sometimes we do it through preaching. Preaching should instruct. It should encourage. It should comfort. Those are the specific issues of edification that are identified in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But you know what? The Lord also said this. He said, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. 
He said, the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even uh, asunder the soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Preacher, you better deliver. Teachers. Rooms full of teachers. And I'm not speaking just about school. I'm speaking about those of you who are raising children. I'm speaking to you grandparents. I'm speaking to those of you who do have an occupation as a teacher. Or perhaps you are a volunteer teacher in our Sunday school. You better be edifying. You need to be encouraging people and comforting them and instructing them. So teaching. Music. Sometimes people have their own desires in music, and and I understand that, and that's perfectly okay. But the real issue with music is this. Is the message that's communicated true to the Word of God? And that, to me, becomes the, the real issue by which I evaluate music. There are some songs that I really like, and there are some songs that they're okay, and there are some songs that I don't like at all, but it doesn't matter that I don't really like them that much because the message they communicate is really true. I've been listening to, to some music lately that's a little bit more... Uh, you're going to hate this... Um, a little bit more contemporary than what I have been accustomed to in growing up. And i got to tell you, I really like it. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. No, 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 no. Please don't do that. You could encourage me to do it again. Uh, (laughs) By the way, I would change the words to that. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus. I would change it to this is not my final home. But I don't get paid for that, so it's... That's true. I have to be reminded, this, the the old way of singing it, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. That was a little bit more lively than the one that I did, but the one I did is the contemporary one, and the other one is the old-fashioned, it's okay to sing. No, no. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know, I have no friend like you. Okay. (laughs) My wife's down here going. Uh, Do you understand how music can teach you? 
and you better, you better be taught the right thing. You better sing the music. I don't care what style it's in. You better be singing the truth because some of the contemporary songs don't communicate truth and some of the old hymns don't communicate truth. Just because we sang it 4,000 times years ago doesn't mean it's truth. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses. I don't hear any voices, folks. I read the Scriptures. But we'll sing that. And then we'll complain about a contemporary song. Your ministry can edify. Your ministry can edify. Do you understand that we're a third of the way through this? But we're done. We have missions conference coming up next week and the following week. We will return to this again the week after that. Maybe give some time for this all to sink in. Could you do me a favor? Could you read again for yourself 1 Corinthians chapter 14 before you come in three weeks? I mean, I hope you're here next week and I hope you're here the week after that. But come again in three weeks and, and we'll pick this up again because this chapter, though it creates such confusion for some today, is not confusing at all, but very, very important because the message that Paul was sending to the Corinthians under the direction of the Holy Spirit is the same message that he's sending to us. Seek to edify one another. Seek to edify one another. Let's stand. Father, what a privilege it is to have your word, to open it, and to know that your Holy Spirit is ultimately our teacher. Father, these words that have been spoken today may have been filled with error. And I pray that you would cause, cause me to be more careful. Father, if there was not error, and I pray that you would cause the truth to be driven home to each heart and each life here today. For those who don't understand what we're talking about, when we talk about those who have eternal life, I pray that they would be able to see their need of a Savior and turn to Jesus and trust Him. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being together. Amen.